Hi, welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Canty. You can learn more about me and my team at KatherineCanty.com. For more than two decades, I have been able to travel the country and help other people grow their business. From those experiences, I was able to work with a proposal team that generated success 90% of the time for over a decade. We have created a leadership coaching program that is creating 100% measured results as seen by the leaders, peers, and stakeholders. And finally, I have spent nearly a decade in boardrooms, corporate boardrooms, where we are learning what's working and what's not. And more importantly, we're able to take the communication from the boardroom and get it down to the front line so execution is easier to implement. You know, from all these experiences, we created a framework called Business Vitality. These are all of the best practices of leaders and and opportunities that have been coming up decade after decade. And a lot of this stuff has been in practice for more than 20 years, 30 years and beyond. And what we're learning is a lot of these folks that are remaining vital in business today are having to think differently. And to share a quote from one of my CEOs that I've worked with in the past, he told me all day long he can hire folks, but what he needs more of are people who think outside the box. So in an effort to pay it forward and celebrate successes, we are going to be sharing stories of leaders who are thinking differently and remaining vital in business today. Please stick to the end and we will share how you can be a guest on the show. And thanks so much for being here. Oscar Trimboli, you are a deep listener and I'm going to keep it that simple. And I just want to say, Oscar, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Catherine. Looking forward to listening to your questions. Well, I appreciate this. This is a little intimidating because listening to me is, has always been just near and dear to me. It's allowed me to open up a lot of doors for business. And um, behind this framework that I've created years ago or, or a few years ago was business vitality, but it ties in you know, 20 years of just different types of experiences. And what I've found is it always comes back to listening And if we can listen to what other people say, they give us so much gold that we can help or we can just be with them and share empathy or, or whatever it needs to be in the moment. So, um, a lot of listening got me into a lot of great opportunities and lessons that I should have probably handled better. Um, so I'm just excited that you're here and can you talk a little bit about what is it like to be a deep listener and, and how did all of this get started? Oh, we'd have to zoom into a boardroom in 2008 in April. And uh, it's a video conference between Sydney, Seattle and Singapore. And there's uh, 18 people in our annual budget setting process at the time. I was a marketing director at Microsoft in Australia and this meeting was a big negotiation the global head office wants you to take a very large revenue number and the local subsidiary will fight for the most realistic number because people will lose their jobs if if the targets are too high and this meeting was meant to go for 90 minutes and at the 20 minute mark the vice president of my area said to me across the table oscar i need to see you immediately after the meeting now, Catherine, in that moment, the only thing that was going through my head is I'm getting fired and how many weeks of salary have I got left in my bank account? 
And as I drifted away from the meeting and started thinking about, is it eight weeks, is it four weeks? Uh, the meeting actually finished early. It finished at the 70 minute mark. And Tracy asked me to close the door. And as I walked back to my chair, she said, you have no idea what you did at the 20 minute mark, do you? And I thought, I'm getting fired and I don't know why. <laughs> so as I, as I sat down, Tracy said to me, Oscar, if you could code the way you listen, you could change the world. And in that moment of profound listening and insight on her part, the only thing that was going through my head was, woohoo, I haven't been fired. <laughs> <laughs> so from that day on, you know, I've been coding how to listen, whether that's uh, the books, the practice cards, the listening quiz, the online course, the masterclass, the workshops that we do, the podcast where we interview workplace listeners and professionals. Uh, I, I'm on this quest with the Deep Listening Ambassador community to create 100 million deep listeners in the world because we think the world will be a very different place with 100 million deep listeners out there in everybody's workplace. And I think for most of us, we don't understand this question is what's the cost of not listening for you, for your team, for your organisation, for your customers, for your regulators, for your government, citizens, uh, great staff leave the organisation before they should. We don't get great customers because the competition listen better to us. Or worse still, we get the wrong customers because we didn't listen to what they really needed. So that's the quest for 100 million deep listeners, Catherine. I think that's a wonderful um, example and story to be able to share. And I appreciate you doing that. And I can, I, I feel that fear of, okay, can you wait until after the meeting we need to talk? And that, that emotion that comes in, I know for my body, you know, you just feel that tightening my, of my chest. I can feel it. And I'm like, oh man, what did I do? What did I say? I'm just like focused on it. And then to know that there's that relief of, of, you know, if you could just code how you listen. And I love how they use that language. That's such great corporate language. You know, can you just program other people to listen this way? And can you, can you just code and, and make it happen? So um, I think that's a fantastic well, analogy. I, I, I skipped a bit of the conversation because what I blurted out of my mouth in that moment while I was thinking about putting all the money that I'd taken out of my bank account, I said to Tracy, do you mean code or code code? And she says, Oscar, we work at Microsoft. I'm talking software. So when she meant code, she meant eventually putting it into some kind of application and the, the listening quiz where we've got nearly 20,000 workplace listeners who contributed what they struggle with when it comes to listening is, is the next step in the evolution of that journey to honor her request because the, when it comes to listening, the difference between hearing and listening is action. And if you don't take action, uh, then people don't really feel heard. So I, I know I'm honoring her request many decades ago now to code the way I listen. I think it's fantastic. You've referenced your book and your, your cards and you were so generous. You sent these to me um, and I love the questions on it. Can you kind of give the background around it and, and the intention 
of these two things? Yeah, so when it comes to the books or the cards or the quiz, it's all come about by just listening to my clients. Sometimes they have to say it more, more than once. The cards came about from uh, workshops that I was doing and I, I can actually picture the location. It was on the 16th floor of a building and had lots of glass windows on it. And we'd come to the afternoon break and we'd, we'd completed an exercise. <clears throat> and it was an exercise involving sticky notes that people had put on these glass windows. And I was, I was going around and reading each of these sticky notes and occasionally I'd have to adjust it because the light was coming through the window. And as I was doing that, a lady shouts across the room at me and says, Oscar, you're not taking my card, are you? And I didn't think anything of it. And, and I turned to Emma and I said, no, no, I'm just trying to read it through the light. She goes, because that card really means a lot to me. And again, I didn't think anything of it until I was talking to my book editor about it a couple of weeks later. And she goes, Oscar, that meant something to her. And did you notice the language she used? She called it a card. You need to make cards. And so what you've got there is the deep listening practice cards, 50 cards organized in the five levels of listening. And each card basically has four different sections. It's got a key theme. It's got an explanation of that key theme. It's got a question you can ask on the back of the card as well. And the handy thing about 50 cards is you can practice with one card per week for a full year and work on your listening either by yourself with a work colleague or maybe a manager, or it could be somebody completely different as well. And if you practice one card a week, as some of the people in the deep listening community have, they, they go, wow, well, my listening is very different. Not because you say so, Oscar, or not because I say so, but when I go home, my spouse will say things like, something's changed in you. And uh, I remember once taking a call, Catherine, from somebody. I was uh, traveling over the Harbour Bridge and it was a client and his name was uh, Michael, but he called himself Mick. And he says, you nearly cost me my marriage last Friday. <laughs> I thought, oh, wow, where's this going? He goes, my wife had put the kids to bed and she sat me down. It was Friday night. We'd finish all the dishes. And she said to me, I want you to be completely honest and tell me who you're having an affair with because something's changed. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. And she said, don't lie to me. Just tell me the truth. I can handle the truth. Just tell me who it is. And he smiled in a very cheeky way and said, well, it's actually a man. And she burst into tears. And he put her, his hand on her hand and said, no, 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 this man is teaching me how to listen at work. And she said, ah, oh, everything fell into place. Now, the rest of that story is actually X-rated because um, it, was, it, was, it was a good Friday night for him. But um, when people are actually listened to, it completely changes their perspective on the world. Now, all the research we do and all the evidence we collect through the, the listening quiz, and we track 1,410 listeners uh, over five years now, 
it's all about workplace listening. So we we say listening at work is not therapy. It's not something to practice on your kids or, or your spouse, uh, but it does kind of leak over into that if you do it well and if you do it poorly as well. That's a great story. And I, I, I feel like our worlds, for the longest time, I kept my world separate from work and from home to the point where I have different names. I have go by my childhood nickname, Katie at home. And then in the work world, Catherine sounded more formal when I got into the work world at age 22, which is forever ago. And now I'm like, I don't really care. Call me whatever, but like just keeping those worlds separate, but also I'm at the point now where I'm realizing how they impact one another and really who we are at work is who we are at home. And if we try something at work, we're probably going to end up bringing it home and vice versa. And so these people that are so close to us all the time, we don't think they always notice, but they do notice these small behavior changes and they could benefit from improved communication or improved listening. Like we could all, I'm constantly trying to get better. I'm not good at all, but I'm trying to get better at listening and just being open and aware and um, being able to listen to what is is going on and what's being said. I had a um, a client that I met with and they said, you know, how do you know? And, and I said, well, it's, it's what they're saying, but it's also what they're not saying. And they said, how do you know that? And I had a hard time trying to articulate it, but there's, there's a way in, in listening to where you're listening for the words, but you're also listening for maybe the the tone and the delivery and and the visuals. And you may not even get the visuals because it could be a phone call. But there's so much that comes across if you can, if if I can stop multitasking and just truly listen and give the other person the space to respond and think and reflect and and participate. And I think we're just all stuck in this constant respond, respond, respond that we've gotten out of that trap of allowing the other people the space to be able to communicate back with us so we can listen and then reciprocate back and forth. Um, do you have any best tips for these, for folks that, you know, we're trying to talk with and they're just struggling to stay focused. It's like they have ADHD maybe, but they don't, but they're just multitasking. And I'm, I see how it's just costing us extra time, but what, what tips or tricks do you have? Um, when it comes to being able just to be that listener or you you're having a conversation with somebody who just, you just know they're doing the dishes while you're talking to them on the phone. And it's so distracting. <laughs> we know, we know from our research that uh, a good listener starts by focusing on the speaker and a great listener starts by focusing on themselves. Listening happens before, during and after the conversation most of us don't set ourselves up for success when it comes to listening before. So three simple quick tips for you is number one, manage your electronic notifications, whether that's a laptop, an iPad, a cell phone, a connected watch, it's just creeping up every day. Use the technology. Don't let the technology use you. When we go into our research, the number one thing that the speaker will notice about the listener is their level of distraction. And the thing that they get most frustrated about is the focus on the electronic device. If the conversation is worth having, then have it. 
because what will happen is you'll come back next week, next month, next year to that conversation, and it will involve some level of misunderstanding. It will involve some level of rework. It will involve some level of reduction in the relationship because the person doesn't feel heard. So tip number one, manage the electronic notifications. And there's a lot of irony in that because I used to work for the company that sold the notifications. Uh, but I, I figure a couple of decades down the track, that's okay. It, it's no coincidence that the software industry and the app industry for, for apps on phones uses the same fundamental psychological research from the 1970s, 1973, in fact, to have people who are gamblers at Las Vegas casinos continue to press the button on the slot machine. So they're trying to hijack your attention. Now, I'm not saying technology is bad in all cases, but use the technology. Don't let the technology use you. Take control of your electronic notifications. Tip number two, drink a glass of water before you're in a conversation. Drink a glass of water every half an hour during the conversation. And if you're in the same location as someone face-to-face versus virtually on a video conference, uh, that will pause as well and have a glass of water at the same time you do. Now, why do I say have a glass of water? Glass of water settles this part of the body, which is just below the chest. It's called the parasympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic nervous system basically tells you to relax. Everything's going to be okay. But it also sends a signal to the brain to kind of tune into this moment and be present in your own body. I think good listeners use their ears, great listeners use their entire body when it comes to listening. So tip number two, glass of water. Now, if you love Starbucks and drinking coffee, I'm afraid that's not going to count. You'll have to drink a glass of water as well. And tip number three, whether you're a military sniper, opera singer, Olympic athlete, breathing for three deep breaths before you move into task performance, is a sign of excellence. So before you log into your meeting, before you step into the meeting room, before you pick up the phone, simply take three deep breaths. Now, Catherine, I almost wanted to call you Katie there for a moment, but I'll keep it separate for for (laughs) this, is um, there is a way to breathe and most People aren't even conscious of that, just like there's a way to listen. James Nestor has written amazing books on the topic of breath. And please breathe in through your nose, down to the bottom of your lungs and out through your mouth. That is the right way to breathe, but most people aren't even conscious of how to breathe correctly. So three deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth. Now, these are all wonderful techniques, but you will get distracted. I want to give everybody three numbers. If, if you don't remember anything from today, remember these three numbers, 125, 400, and 900. If you understand these numbers, you understand that good listeners listen to what's said and great listeners listen to what's not said. You'll understand that a great listener can change the way a speaker communicates a topic. And the meetings you have are shorter and more impactful, and quite possibly you'll have fewer meetings as well. At least that's what our research group reports back, that they get four hours a week back in their schedule when they practice these tips. 
So those numbers, 125, 400, 900. I speak at 125 words a minute. You can listen at 400 words a minute. In fact, some of you have increased the playback of the podcast to 1.5, 1.7, maybe even two times. Now, because I have a slightly different accent, you won't be able to speed it up to your natural level. But if you're familiar with somebody's accent in the context, you can listen it up to two times speed. Unless you're visually impaired, if you're blind, we know blind people can listen at three times speed and maintain complete comprehension. And we've interviewed a couple of deaf and blind people on our podcast um, who, who talk us through that as well. So right now, it's quite possible you may be doing chores. You're distracted. Welcome back. Um, it's great to have you back, but you can listen four times faster than what I can speak. And that means you jump ahead, you pattern match, you may be distracted by something that comes into your visual pathway. That's completely normal. Here's a really simple reset strategy. If you're in front of somebody, notice the color of their eyes. That will be a simple way for you to reset your listening and come back and become present to that person. Even easier to do on video conference, by the way, because you can literally stare at their eyes and they won't think that you're staring about them. Now, 900 is the most important number of all. 900 is the speed at which the speaker is thinking at. It's an average speed. People can think up to 2,000 words per minute. Therefore, if I'm thinking at 900, but my mouth can only get out 125 words a minute, you're listening to 14% of what the speaker is thinking. Now, those odds aren't really great. And it's little wonder why there's conflict, chaos, confusion in workplaces when we only engage with 14% of what people say. If you accept the very first thing that somebody says, then you're listening to the first 14%. Now, this is where you get your time back. If you just listen to the next 1,425 words, you will start to get closer to what they think and what they mean. And in this moment, good listeners try and make sense of what's being said. Great listeners help the speaker make sense of what they're thinking. Now, I'll say that again. Good listeners listen to what's being said and great listeners help the speaker make sense of what they're thinking. Because when you have a conversation with what they really think and what they mean, the conversation is shorter, you get to the point quicker, and the relationship is improved. Therefore, at 900 words a minute thinking and 125 words a minute speaking, that's why it's critical for you as a listener to have your orientation, not to listen to what's said the first time, but to listen for what's not said. Now, I've got three killer phrases that you can use. They're really short, but I'm sure you've got a couple of questions there, Catherine. No, I'll, I'll let you continue. I'm, now I'm just curious. So, I had a comment, but now I'm more curious about the, the three coming next. So when it comes to questions, uh, a little hack you can think about is if your question is more than eight words long, it's unlikely to be a question and more likely to be a statement. And it's also likely to be a biased question. 
So if you can keep your questions when it comes to listening in discovery and exploration at the beginning of a relationship, a context, a project, a campaign, a sales process, a project, you will start to hear these unsaids. So here's the three phrases. Um, they're all pretty short, so you'll be able to write them down or remember them. Uh, phrase number one, tell me more. And if you want to shorten that even further, you can just say, say more. Number two, and what else? And what else? Or you can just say, and? Now, if you say, and, it could be considered intimidation as well. So just keep it short. So tell me more. And what else? And the third phrase is the shortest of all. Used well, this phrase consistently across all cultures unlocks what's unsaid. And if you use this skillfully, carefully, deliberately, you will transform not just the relationship but the impact of the work you do in the world. And, and here it is. So listen carefully because it's the shortest one. Now, it's no coincidence that the word silent and the word listen share identical letters. In high context cultures, the Inuit of North America, the Australian Aborigines, the Polynesian cultures, the Amazon jungle tribes, China, Korea, Japan, all these high context cultures value silence. It's part of seniority it's part of the wisdom of elders yet in the west somehow we've become addicted to speed answers rather than quality responses and a lot of time is wasted because people are like a quiz show contestant on jeopardy pressing the buzzer before the host has completed and they answer the wrong question and all that does is reduce the relationship so if you remember those Three numbers, 125, 400, 900, and those three phrases. Tell me more and what else? And then finally, the last one, silence. You'll start to hear much more, but more importantly, the speaker will start to hear much more about what they're thinking. I think that is well said. And there's so much power in the pause and in the silence there's, there's power in the room that is indescribable if we can just pause long enough to allow other people be able to form their thoughts and, and be able to share their feelings and insights. So I try to share that with others and it doesn't always stick. I feel like sometimes we just get stuck and we, we want to win the quiz show and we want to, you know, give the answer and move on to the next thing. And the leaders that are remaining vital you know, decade after decade, they're listening and they're not speaking first and they're, they're watching the room. They're not watching their cell phone. They're closing their laptops. They're turning over their phone. They leave it in a drawer, whatever it may be. And they're the ones that are able to get more done in a day than the other folks that are constantly, you know, listening to the, the buzzing and, and the, the uh, updates that are coming across their phone. And I, I wanted to oh, go ahead, please. 
uh, it just reminded me of a, a workshop we ran in 2015 and it was a, a, a company that was in a transition uh, there were 15 leaders in this boardroom and we, it was 12, 12.35 and the reason I knew it is because the CEO was kind of doing tapping on the, on, on the desk and pointing to their watch and we had scheduled the uh, meal to come into the room at, at one o'clock and I sensed he was hungry. And uh, we were going around the room and the exercise was quite simple. Describe this organisation as an animal. And everybody was describing uh, a cheetah, a leopard, an osprey, an eagle. All the elements were consistently the same. Fast moving, agile, aggressive kind of uh, characters. And we, we, we come up to about... 12.55, and again, it was getting worse. It was kind of, you know, it was on the desk, and we hadn't heard from one person from finance. That was Lynn, and Lynn was a card-carrying member of the extrovert community, and you know they're a card-carrying member of the extrovert community when you say, you know, put your hand up if you're an introvert, and they don't. And you also have to say to the extroverts, I didn't say stand up, I said, put your hand up, you know. So I just turned to Lynn ever so slightly and, and extended my arm out and the CEO was rolling his eyes at me and she said, I thought it was obvious. And that's all she said. And I just turned my body towards her. I didn't gaze at her or anything like that. And she said, I thought it was obvious that we were a snake. Wow. So, Catherine, in your mind, what's going through your mind when you hear snake? What are the characteristics of snake? Not favorable. Kind of sneaky in the grass, slithering, hmm. sneak attacking. And yeah, so in the West and in the West in a Christian Judaic setting, the snake is the fundamental story of Adam and Eve and temptation. That's how far back this story about the snake goes. Now, what you don't know about Lynn is she's from a completely different culture where that is not true. She's from a culture that actually reveres the snake. Now paused for what seemed like an eternity at that moment when she said, I thought it was obvious it was a snake because she could feel the tension in the room go up because everybody, everybody has described an eagle, an osprey, a cheetah, a leopard, and Lynn from finance is describing a snake. And she said, we've forgotten to shed our skin every season and we're holding on to old practices and old systems, and we've forgotten to evolve for our clients. And with that, the tension in the room was released because she explained the meaning of the snake to the room. So everybody had that sneaky, slithering approach to the snake, but in the, in the Chinese culture, um, snakes have a completely different meaning. It's about growth, it's about evolution, it's about improvement. Now, the meeting continued till 
1.35 and nobody ate any of the food that was brought in because they were debating snakes versus eagles and ospreys. Now, what eventually happened is the snake became part of their internal, uh, they got little snake beanie dolls and they had snake logos that were part of their product evolution. Yet for most leaders, you have five people in a room, you'll only hear from two or three, you might have 10 people in the room, you may only hear from five. People who speak last are often great synthesizers. They notice what's absent and they help the group orientate themselves both internally and externally as well. So although we talked initially about listening through the context of one-on-one conversations, this plays out in group conversations and systems as well, your organisation and how it faces the market. And the most important thing you need to think about is what am I not listening to in terms of employee conversations? What am I not listening to in terms of customer conversations? Because the most important customer you need to talk to is the customer who chose the competitor. But most people do customer satisfaction surveys with customers who pay them money rather than those that don't. And the same is true for employees. And I'm not talking only about the exit survey When somebody leaves, I'm talking about the person you made a job offer to who decides not to join your organisation. If you listen to those people, you will learn so much more when it comes to your impact for your organisation too. So much truth. I appreciate that. Tell me, you know, as we're thinking about just a practical tip or or a first step, it feels like the 90-day challenge would be a nice kind of way to maybe inspire a few people to, to take a challenge or if the challenge isn't there, obviously the quiz, but um, maybe before we get to the quiz, if you just tell us quickly about the 90 day challenge and then we can um, kind of wrap it up from there. Yeah. So the quiz, the 90 day challenge all came about from clients saying, Hey, Oscar, can you put an assessment together for us? Oscar, you can't be around all the time. Can, how, how do, how do we embed this in our organization? So the quiz is really simple, listeningquiz.com, seven minutes, and you'll get a really simple explanation of what your primary listening barrier is and what to do about it. And then in that will be an invitation to take the 90-day challenge. In the 90-day challenge, you'll get an email once a week saying to you, here's a key concept, whether it's the five levels of listening, whether it is the four villains of listening, or whether it's listening for the unsaid, and you will get a really self-paced 90-day, one email a week reminder of some of the things you can practice that week. And it will be as simple as manage your electronic notifications, drink water, take three deep breaths. There's week one, two, and three already laid out before you start. So yeah, listeningquiz.com is how you'll learn more about yourself and your own listening. And that will help you start the journey to moving from somebody who's not conscious about their listening to understanding the impact of listening can make. I think this is fantastic, Oscar. I really appreciate your time. Is there another way that that they can stay in touch with you outside of listeningquiz.com if someone wanted to uh, reach look, out to you? Ah, uh, sure. You can, yeah. But if you if you visit listeningquiz.com, it's got all the ways you can you can contact me there on the website as well. But uh, 
I, I think the, the most important thing for everybody to do is make sure you're really clear on what gets in the way of your listening. And then if I can help with workshops, where, whether we can help with the online course, whether we can help with the 90 day challenge, you will know when the time is right for you and, and we'll be ready to listen. That's fantastic. Oscar, I have loved having you on this show. I love your stories, your your ability to synthesize this information, to break it down into very tangible steps. And, and there's a huge opportunity for this, I think, in the market and in business for all of us to just get a little bit better at listening. And you gave some wonderful practical steps and I greatly appreciate it. Oscar Trimboli, you are a deep listener found on the web at listeningquiz.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening. Oscar, I've enjoyed having you on the show. I enjoy your pace and um, your energy that you're able to provide to the listeners. I think you provide wonderful practical tips. You've synthesized so much information and have broken it down into steps that any of us can, can dip into and try, depending on what resonates with us first. And it may be as simple as tell me more and awe, I write down awe, and then just the ability of, of creating the silence. Um, you broke it down with listening between paying attention to technology, the significance of drinking water as we listen, and taking the breath in through the nose, into the belly, and out through the mouth. And then it helps me understand the 125, 400, 900 how we speak at the 125, we listen at the 400 per minute, but the speaker, the speaker is thinking at 900 words per minute, which means we're only getting 14% of what they're thinking, which explains a lot on somebody who's trying to receive as a listener, why I'm not getting all the information. Um, so, and I love your simplicity of, of the best questions are eight words or less. So there's just a, a plethora of knowledge. And uh, I greatly appreciate you sharing all this good stuff with us. Uh, the difference between hearing and listening is action. What's the one thing you personally do differently in your listening? As a takeaway for this? Mm -hmm. Oh, um, very easily. I, I was just accused last week of being biased towards action. So um, that's what makes me unique is I just do things. So I'll be taking the quiz and the 90 day challenge. And um, I'll be integrating this into the conversations that I have with colleagues and clients and begin to drip it in like a, like a old school marketing drip campaign, because I feel like at times they need to hear it 16, 17 times before it ever gets heard the first time. So like great leaders, we just keep repeating the same message in hopes that somebody's going to get it. And they usually do. We just have to be patient. And if you had one extra question today that you could have asked, what would that have been? How can I support you? Yeah, um, I think what you've said about integrating it into the business vitality framework is awesome. And uh, yeah, that, that, that could be a completely uh, different conversation going forward as well. Katie, thank you. Yes. Yes. Oh, Oscar, you're so fun. I, I hope we stay in touch. And even though we're 
at different ends of the of the earth. I would definitely love to um, just continue to support you. I think this is a a vital skill in business and not just business, but everywhere we go. But business is, I think, where we can have the biggest impact right now. So I really appreciate your time and your expertise and your stories. And um, I'm very grateful. So thank you. Pleasure. My team and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Business Vitality Podcast. We really appreciate you being here. If you know of another leader, another CEO, a founder who has another success story that they are willing to share and be able to pay it forward, we would love to highlight their stories on this podcast. You can find more information at katherinecanty.com. And in the meantime, if you could take a minute and rate this show, that would be super helpful because that's going to allow more people like you to find us in order to continue to pay it forward. Again, if you need to learn any additional information, we are happy to help. You can find us more at katherinecanty.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn with my name, Katherine Canty. Thanks so much for being here.